Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello and welcome to Angus at Work. I'm your host, Casey Brown. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about bull health during the winter months because we all know that bulls have a very important job on our operations. We're starting to see some light at the end of this winter tunnel, but that doesn't negate the fact that many states had some extreme cold this winter. So what do you need to do to make sure your bulls are ready when breeding season starts? I sat down with Dr. Jeff Urquiaga to discuss considerations you should keep in mind. And this episode is brought to you by Westway Feed Products. So let's dig in. Before we we really get started, can you give our listeners just a, a brief background of your experience in the beef industry? Sure. I grew up in on a ranch in Northeast California, Northwest Nevada. We had a commercial operation with a handful of purebred Herefords. I went to the University of Nevada, Reno to do my undergrad, went to vet school at CSU, moved to Rushville, Nebraska when I left vet school. And fortunately, the people have tolerated me here for 31 years. Um, we would do mostly cow-calf operation would be our practice. We're kind of spoiled. We're right in the heart of a lot of really good purebred operators and get an opportunity to work on a lot of purebred cattle and do a lot of fertility testing throughout the year. So, no, I've been very blessed. It's been a been a great opportunity. Awesome. I love that. You talked about bull fertility. So with cold temperatures, um, especially this year, a lot of our states have really experienced some cold temperatures. What do we have to worry about in regards to bull fertility with cold temperatures? Well, there's a couple things to think about with the cold temperatures. I think the cold temperatures maybe aren't really a terrible problem if you've got adequate bedding and decent protection. But when you add the wind that we had with the extreme cold the scrotum tends to hang down there kind of in a bad spot for mother nature. And when you get that much wind, it tends to cause frostbite, uh, depending upon how bad certainly can lead to frostbite on at least a part or up to two thirds, three quarters of the, the scrotum. And when that happens, you've got a little bit of a mess on your hands. Gotcha. So you mentioned frostbite. So Talk us through how that affects the scrotum and and how long does that affect the bull? What actually happens is the frostbite, you know, it's just like any any chemical burn or burn is it destroys the skin depending upon how bad it is. I've actually seen those bad enough where enough of the skin will slough off as that starts to heal and the testicles will fall right out of the bottom of the scrotum. If that's the case, you've definitely got a bull that is no good. You know, you can have a lot of variations of how bad the frostbite is to just a little tip of the scrotum to, you know, fairly significant. In saying that, there's a couple things that really cause trouble with uh, sperm production. Anytime you have heat, inflammation, or infection in or around the testicles, you're going to end up with some periods of infertility. And obviously, if we've got frostbite and some black dead skin that is going to slough off, you've got probably all of those, and that is going to cause some intermittent infertility, and in some severe cases, permanent infertility. Anytime you get adhesions between the testicle and the bottom of the scrotum, that 
causes the inability for that bull to move the testicles up and down and regulate heat. So when you get to the hot summer months, he can't regulate heat and consequently your sperm production goes down and a lot of that sperm, even though it's produced, is probably dead. The other thing that you worry about is if there's enough damage to the epididymis of the testicle, which is where semen is stored after it's produced and is mature before it's ejaculated out, there's a lot of little tubules that make up the epididymis and sometimes those will actually get damaged enough that they freeze together and no longer is there a patent way for the sperm to even come out of there. So if you've got any of those particular problems that occur, your fertility is is not going to be very good. The good thing about it is a lot of times if you are patient and you have some time, which I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but this storm hit us fairly early in the winter and I think we've got some time before spring turnout and before we're going to need these bulls. So I think there's an end of these bulls that will probably go through a period of infertility and I think there will be a percent of them that will probably return to normal use if we are patient and have enough time, which I think a lot of those we will. And I think I've heard research that spermatogenesis takes about 60 days. Is that correct? 62 or three days would be how long it takes a sperm cell to start from ground zero until you've got viable sperm produced. The thing that we have to worry about is you probably want to take those 61 or two, three days from the time, not necessarily that the insult occurred, but by the time that the the damaged skin has sloughed off and we get rid of the infection and the potential fever that you're going to have in that. So from the time you see that that scrotum starting to heal up, then you better start counting your 60 days. So, I mean, that's that's the thing that if we went in and started testing bulls today, I think most of these bulls probably will not semen check just because of the amount of damage that has been done and we've got some heat and some infection there. I think a lot of those bulls probably won't test. As time goes on, it is our friend, I think, that some of these bulls will get to a point where, where they're going to be a satisfactory breeder again. So you mentioned tests. Um, talk us through um, a breeding soundness exam, what you're looking for, and when would be an, an optimal time to test, and if we need to retest, especially if we find these bulls who are not satisfactory breeders right now. I think if you find a bull that's not a satisfactory breeder right now, I would certainly give that bull an opportunity and some time if you've got that. If you're in a position where you're going to start breeding before too long, then obviously that's not something that you can do. I guess I would try to wait till we get closer to actual turnout time, which is kind of a double-edged sword because most of your bull sales are going to be in the next month or six weeks. And that's going to leave you kind of in a pickle if you get to breeding season and the bull sales are all over. So I think a lot of these guys need to evaluate their bulls, maybe just visually, and, and look them over and see how many bulls you've got that look like you've got some frost damage. And I think maybe you better plan on replacing at least a percentage of those bulls. I'm not saying all of them, but I think just to be on the safe side, there's a, there's probably 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of those bulls that may not test as we get towards spring. So I think maybe you want to at least protect yourself and purchase a few extra bulls at your favorite bull sale location this spring. 
as we get closer to spring, the amount of bulls that are for sale, I think the quality goes down and the price tends to go up and, and that's a bad place to be caught. So I, I think the guys need to evaluate that a little bit and, and make some plans to maybe replace a few more bulls than, than they typically do. In saying that, I think the longer we can wait, the more of those bulls that will probably pass a fertility exam. And when I say a pass a fertility exam, you're going to want to palpate those testicles, make sure there are no adhesions, make sure both testicles are there, everything is in working order. And then we'll do uh, electroejaculation, collect a semen sample, look at the motility, stain that sample, and then take a good look at the morphology and make sure that we've got at least 70% normal sperm cells. Uh, after the insults that we've had, I think that's very important to do because there's there's certainly the potential for a lot of these bulls not to be in that category. The other thing that I think a lot of people maybe don't think about, but we are expecting a bull to do a lot in the breeding season. We're expecting him to get at least 70, hopefully 80% of these cows bred in the first cycle. So not only do you want to look at his reproductive organs, which yes, that's most important, but he also must be able to get around, look at feet and leg structure, look at foot structure, uh, make sure we don't have any long toes, swollen joints, bad shoulders, those kind of things that are going to prevent this bull from getting around the pasture as well as he could. And I think those are all things that we need to, to analyze as well as, as the semen evaluation. Absolutely. So you're right. You mentioned a double-edged sword. There's no right answer for anyone right now or a silver bullet, really. 24-7, 365. All day, every day. Ranching never stops, and your cowherd's nutrition shouldn't stop either. Westway Feed Products produces molasses-based liquid feed supplements for your cowherd. This liquid feed adds protein, energy, vitamins, and minerals to complete your standing forages, hay, or mixed rations. By increasing forage digestibility, Westway's liquid supplements support fetal programming, increased cow pregnancy rates, and overall herd performance. To learn more about Westway's liquid feed supplements, 24-7-365 nutrition concepts, or to locate a dealer, visit www.westwayfeed.com or give us a call at 800-800-7517. But so what are some of those considerations cattlemen should keep in mind as they're making those bull buying decisions? Or if they've already purchased bulls, what should they think about as they're preparing for breeding season? The bulls that you buy this year, I would maybe retest again just prior to turnout to make sure that there aren't any infertility issues. It's not that I don't trust the first guy that did the semen evaluation, but you are only looking at that bull today and today only. And anytime there is stress on that individual, whether that's the sale, that's transportation, that's changing feed, changing environment, all those things can affect fertility. So I think that that if we want to make as few things to chance as we possibly can, I would encourage you to retest those bulls, especially this year, just prior to turnout, to make sure that those bulls are are going to do the job that you expect them to do. You know, and as far as when you buy those bulls, I think, you know, don't be afraid to put a little bedding down, especially if you've got some snow and cold and ice. You know, that that's a very valuable toolbox that you need to kind of protect. So a little bit of bedding and some protection, I think, will go a long ways in that scenario. Most of the bull producers, I think, are very well aware of that because that is their entire livelihood. 
So they're pretty good at, at making sure that their animals have protection and bedding. But I know a lot of ranchers maybe don't pay as much attention to that as they should. But, you know, if we've still got some cold weather to come, don't be afraid to put some bedding down, corn stalks, poor quality hay, straw, any of those will work very well. I was just thinking our, our bull buying decision or our bull buying is usually one of the most expensive parts of of the operation apart from feed. So definitely it, it would make sense to to spend the money on an extra breeding soundness exam or a fertility test just to make sure he can do what you, you need him to do. I would agree completely. You know, you look at a thirty to fifty dollar investment on a second fertility exam on a five to ten thousand dollar bull and if you have six, eight, ten, fifteen open cows from that bull because he didn't do his job, that fifty dollars looks pretty reasonable. How far ahead of spring turnout would you recommend getting either a second test or um, a fertility test done? I think a lot of that is probably going to depend upon the producer and their particular situation. Ideally, I would like to wait till as close to turnout as you can, because then you have a very good picture of what your fertility is when you turn those bulls out. But in saying that, I also realize that that might be a little bit of a crystal ball scenario. Uh, you kind of want to get your bulls tested early enough that there's still a bull sale or two you can go to to replace them if they don't test. And a lot of times you need to move those bulls someplace. They come by the corrals. Let's get them tested while we're going here before we take them to a different pasture or whatever your scenario is. So I know there's a lot of management issues that are involved in that. So, I mean, you just kind of have to do what works best for your operation. Like I said, if you're going to look in the crystal ball, the ideal situation is do it just prior to turnout. But I realize that there are a lot of situations that probably don't allow that to happen. Right. That makes perfect sense. Are bull tests, are those something that a veterinarian can do at your operation or do you need to take bulls to a veterinarian's clinic? It just depends on your setup. Uh, both the vet clinic and the ranch were fortunate because we've got some bigger ranches and most of them have excellent facilities. So we tend to do the great majority of our fertility testing uh, at the ranch or, or at the feed yard. There is a handful of people though don't have very good facilities and we certainly welcome those with uh, less than ample facilities and you know and big bulls can tear up a lot of stuff and and if you don't have a good shoot for restraint it's it's not a good deal so I mean we'll we'll work with people either way and I think most veterinarians probably are that way if if you've got great facilities or good facilities be happy to do it at the ranch if not we'd be happy to do it at the clinic as well perfect what kind of questions should a commercial cattleman ask to their seed stock suppliers about their winter bull care? I mean, don't be afraid to ask about, you know, bedding and protection and, you know, things like that. Like I said, I think most of your bull suppliers, that is their livelihood. And, and most of them are pretty good about making sure that there's not a lot of mud and lot for these bulls to lay in. They've got protection. They've got bedding. I think most of them have a pretty good handle on that. You occasionally see a bull with a little bit of burn uh, on the tips of the scrotums, but for the most part, I think most guys have a pretty good handle on that because that is their livelihood. You know, you can't sell bulls that if they don't pass a fertility exam. What are some, you mentioned bedding a lot. Are there any other things that commercial cattlemen can think of once they get their bulls home 
Yeah, I think protection is the big one, you know, just try to keep them out of the wind. I mean, cold temperatures, bulls can stand a lot of cold if they just don't have wind blowing up their backside. So, you know, if you've got wind breaks, tree rows, you know, even even some place to get them in out of the, the extreme weather, I think is is not a bad idea because you've got quite a bit of money invested in, in your bulls. The other thing I, I think a lot of people miss is they take the bull that's been on a fairly high concentrate diet for a period of time during the bull development scenario of their life. And then they take them home and kick them out on not very good feed. And a lot of those bulls lose a lot of weight. I think that also can be one of the things that can lead to potential infertility as well. And I agree that you have to back those bulls down uh, gradually over a period of time to try to get their guts back to a more forage-based diet. I think that's very important to try to get those bulls back down and onto a forage-based diet prior to turnout. I don't think that's maybe quite such a shock to their system. Perfect. I love how you brought in there's still a nutritional aspect to to making sure our bulls are are ready in addition to winter care. I think body condition score is something that a lot of people overlook. And unfortunately, too many ranchers uh, just kind of kick those bulls someplace out of the way during calving season because they don't want to have to deal with them. And unfortunately, a fair amount of those bulls lose some condition. Condition, I think, is very, very important. You're asking that bull to service a lot of females in a short period of time. You don't want them too fat because when you're big and fat, it's hard to to perform. And when you're too thin, you don't have the energy to do the job that that they're going to be expected to do. So I think body condition score is something that that is is very important. You don't want one too thin. You don't want one too fat. Along with you know protecting their their toolbox to make sure that everything's going to work the way you plan because you put a lot of work and effort into a year to let things fall short at breeding time because your bulls are, are not either in body condition or fertility wise to, to do what you need them to do. Well, that's perfect. I think that is a, a great way to wrap up this podcast. But before we end, I always like to end with some good news because we all know the cattle business is really the people business. So would you mind sharing some something good that's happened recently, either personally, professionally, or both? I guess I'm really excited right now about the cattle industry. We are at maybe not all-time low numbers, but we are at low numbers and I think people are going to start growing their cow herds, less heifers going to the feed yard. There's going to be a shortage of meat. And I think it is a time in the next few years, we're going to see something that we have never seen in our lifetime. And it's a great time to be in it. And I think you need to gather as many cows as you can possibly have, because I think we're going to see something that is, is tremendous. Oh, cool. I, I love hearing that there there is so much optimism surrounding the industry right now. And that is that is something that just makes you feel good and, and definitely lets us know we're in the right industry. So thank you, Dr. Jeff, for your time this morning and for your insight. I really appreciate it. Listeners, to get more information to help make Angus work for you, check out the Angus Beef Bulletin and Digital Angus Beef Bulletin Extra publications. You'll find links to subscribe to both of those in our show notes. And we'd sure appreciate it if you would rate this podcast or leave a review to tell us what you learned or what was helpful and share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. And we're grateful to this episode's sponsors, Westway Feed Products. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus at Work.